You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And boy, do we have a special show for you here today. Uh, we have Todd Baldwin coming at us from Seattle, the greater Seattle metro area. And he's also 30 years old. Uh, he's, he's Seattle's 30 under 30. Uh, he's a real estate investor, entrepreneur. Uh, he's been featured in Business Insider. He's also a TV personality. I've been seeing him on different cameos on, on different TV shows and whatnot. And uh, he's just a really good guy. He's also a YouTube partner and content creator with Google. And um, he was interviewed uh, during his 20s uh, for his unique real estate strategy that made him a multi-millionaire. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, he's been on Bigger Pockets, Wealth Magazine, and uh, different documentaries about politics and capitalism and healthcare. So I don't know if we'll talk about the politics on this show, but we're definitely going to talk about real estate. Politics might come up, but um, really excited to have him on here. Uh, right now, uh, we're recording this kind of at the end of June in 2022. And we're recording this after the Fed's first 75 basis point hike on the short-term rates. Um, Todd's sitting on a lot of cash right now. Uh, he has a strategy he's looking to use, you know, moving forward. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about hopefully the interest rate market um, on both single family and multifamily and, and what kind of opportunities uh, we see moving forward. So really appreciate you coming on, Todd. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for that introduction. That was that was a lot. That was everything. You're making my <laughs> ego incredibly large. So I don't know if it's good or bad, but I'm happy to be here. No, it's awesome. Yeah. LinkedIn does wonders, man. That's all I was reading from. So uh, yeah, definitely ad hoc. So, but yeah, great. So you're 30 years old now. Um, you became a multimillionaire in your mid-20s. So how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, it really happened the old fashioned way um, through real estate. So I dropped out of college when I was 22, um, started working in sales right after that. And I was just working like crazy in order to make six figures my first year dropping out of school. So I was 22 years old, making like 110 grand a year. And I was living very, very cheaply. I was still living like a college student. And I basically just took all that money that I was making and I started investing in real estate. And yeah, I became, I think my net worth crossed a million when I was 25, um, became a multimillionaire, I believe at 27 or 28. I just turned 30 um, last month in May. Um, so yeah, man, life has been good. That's awesome. Uh, so you invested in real estate. So is that actively, passively, a combination of both? How did that happen? All actively. I don't do any REITs or anything like that. Um, I'm not knocking REITs. It's just not something that I personally have an appetite for. But no, it started off, you know, like any other way. I, I needed a place to live. Uh, I was moving out of the place that I was renting. Um, and I decided to buy a house with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And we bought a single family home. We lived together in the master bedroom. And we decided to rent out every other bedroom in the house so that we were living completely for free. So we were living in a gigantic six bedroom, four bathroom house for free. Right. So that was awesome. Um, and then nine months later, I believe we bought our second house. That was also another six bedroom house. We rented that out completely by the bedroom. I'm in Seattle. It's a very high price market here. Um, so like, you know, a one bedroom, one bath might go for 
2,500 bucks a month. And most young people don't want to spend anywhere near that, but they would pay mm-hmm. me eight or 900 bucks for a bedroom. And um, so it worked out really well. Um, so we just kind of kept buying house after house and um, the value of those properties rose. We were collecting, you know, $40,000 a month in passive income. And when you're living for free and making that much money, it's very easy to save and invest. And, you know, it can just really snowball from there. Oh, so 40000 a month in, in passive income, that was from two houses or was that more? Sorry, that was from six houses. So okay, um, yeah. I sort of like skipped over buying houses number three through six. Um, I don't know how much time we have today, but um, yeah, I just kept buying house after house, um, you know, total of six houses. Five of them were single family homes. One of them is a duplex, which is that, that's where I live right now. I live in this duplex and I rent out the other half. And then I have a little garage um, that I turned into a studio. So I had those on Airbnb before the pandemic happened. And then pandemic hit, I just rented them out the regular way. But so the 40K per month in rental income was a combination of all six properties sure. because I think we had, it's all rented out by the bedrooms. So we had like 40-ish tenants. My average rent is like a thousand bucks a month. So yeah, about a 40 grand a month across 40 tenants. So how, how are you able to, uh, obviously you're working in Seattle. Um, do, do you have a full-time job right now or is this your full-time? Yeah. So I left, so I was working in insurance. Um, uh, that's, that was like my job that helps me buy real estate. So um, mm-hmm. I left, I believe in 2019 to go full-time real estate. Um, but at my peak in insurance, I had a base salary of 150 grand mm-hmm. and then I was making commissions too. So I was making a couple hundred grand a year in sure. insurance. And then my wife, as a CPA, she works in an accounting firm. She also makes six figures. So we're yeah. basically just like taking all of that and, you know, buying up houses. That's awesome. So you weren't doing, um, were you doing like cash deals or were you doing like 5% down? Especially you mentioned a couple of single families here. And the there. first house I ever bought was three and a half percent down. Um, the yeah. second one I had to put 20% down. I believe the third one was 10. The fourth one was 10. The fifth one might've been another 20%. And then this this one here, I put, believe I put 10 or 15% down. So um, yeah, I've been taking advantage. I took advantage of um, owner occupancy, um, yeah. lower interest rates, lower down payment. I took advantage of a first time home buyer program, you know, for that first property that I bought. Um, but that's pretty much been the majority of it. Um, we talked about a little bit off air, how I'm sitting on a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. And that's because I do want to be poised to pay cash for a property if I can get an incredible deal. Like if I can get an $800,000 house for 400 grand in cash, I'll do that all day. So um, I'm sitting on, I'm I'm cash heavy right now just because I want to have options because I do think a recession is coming. And um, if you have liquid cash, although technically, yes, there's inflation and, you know, opportunity cost of that, but I like having the options. And um, I'm at a point now where having, you know, seven figures, in cash isn't actually a huge part of my world, but it gives me a lot of options. Sure. And, and so would you look to do the same strategy by large single family homes and just rent out by the room? And then how is that from a management perspective? How are you managing that? Is your, is your wife managing it? Or do you have a management company that takes care of it? So I manage it all myself. Um, I do not have a management company. Um, it's, you know, so what I've found is you make two to three times market rent when you do it by the bedroom, um, sometimes more. So I have a house, it's an eight bedroom, four bathroom house. The market rent for this house, where it is, would be like three grand a month. 
um, what I'm bringing in is eight grand a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cash flow, just the monthly cash flow, the profit every month is 4,000. So my monthly cash flow is more than the entire market rent for the house if I was to rent it out to a family. Sure. So the little bit of extra time I spend managing is well worth it to me. Oh, yeah. um, and I try to, you know, so I have like a strategy to sort of make it easier for me. So we have one house that's an all female house. And then we have an all male house. And then we have four mixed houses where they don't care. And because some young women don't want to live with guys, right? So we have an all female house. Um, so that, you know, there's, there's that piece of it. The other thing is we have a maid go through every single house once a week. And she scrubs each house from top to bottom, including the bathrooms. You know, she'll, she'll scrub the kitchen, like she'll vacuum every bedroom. So the house is getting cleaned every single week. So people aren't really fighting about mess. Um, another thing that we do is we supply every house with the toilet paper, paper towels, hand soap, dishwasher pods, um, you know, Ziploc bags, tinfoil, all of the stuff that people might share. Because mm-hmm. if you are living in a house and you're always buying the soap for the bathroom, but your roommate's always using it, never paying you back, eventually you're going to get annoyed. <laughs> so we, yeah. we cover all of that. Okay. Um, and still, when I talk about my cash flow being $4,000 a month, that's taking into account I'm also spending money on the maid and the utilities that we cover and all the supplies. And I'm still netting four grand a month on that property. So I have some strategies in place to make it so it's it's seamless and sort of idiot proof. Um, Everyone has a parking spot. Nobody has to street park. There's no HOA that's telling me I can't do this or that. Right. So um, I've sort of streamlined it. And eventually I want to transition into apartment buildings just because it's more scalable. It's not going to be nearly as lucrative. My cash on cash return on an apartment building is going to be much smaller, but you know, I can own one apartment building with 400 units, but I probably can't own 400 single family homes that are rented by the bedroom. It's just going to be too much at some point, but as far as a stair stepper to make a lot of money really fast, this is the best way I've found. That is awesome. And so they're all, I'm assuming within proximity of each other, like you can, you could drive to them or walk. Oh them. yeah, dude. I have, they're like right across the street from each other. Um, wow. So I have a house here. Like, so if this, if this is a road coming down this way and I, I don't know if people are watching the podcast or visualizing it, but um, I have a house and then across the street, I have another house that I own. And then up the street, I have another one. Right. And then maybe 90 seconds down the road, I have another one. Right. So they're, they're all like, they're all really close together. So for me, when I'm managing it, I can just go do the rounds and be like, okay, I, I can get to all of my properties within a few minutes. Um, so that is very easy. And the maid too, by the way, she goes and does the round. So every week she starts at one house, cleans that, then goes to the next one, then the next one, right? So um, it's it's pretty seamless. Yeah. So you were able to scale in that sense too, a little bit of efficiencies with the cleaning service. And I was actually going to ask you, how do you manage the I guess the different personalities, which are all mostly younger that you mentioned. So that's a good way to do it. Separate them. I, I didn't even think of that. And I, I'm assuming you're getting just younger professionals that maybe work at Amazon or, you know, another large company in Seattle. Totally. Yeah. They're all of my tenants, not all of them, but most of them are in their mid twenties. Mm-hmm. I have some people in their early twenties and then a few people in their early to mid thirties, but most of the tenants are like, you know, 27. Um, and yes, they're, they're making good incomes. They, they're just saddled with student loan debt and they don't want to be paying an arm and a leg for an apartment in downtown. 
you know, because if you, if you make $80,000 a year, that's pretty damn good money. But if you have $75,000 in student loans and, you know, apartments are 2,500 bucks a month, it might behoove you to go rent a bedroom for 900 bucks and save all that money on rent and utilities and parking. Cause I have free parking at my places. Yeah. Um, and so you can blitz the payoff your student loans and buy a house of your own. So I've actually helped, I think six of my tenants buy their own homes now. Um, oh. So six, so six of my tenants, they live with me rented, um, saved a lot of money. I helped them understand real estate, secure their own financing. And now they own homes of their own that they are in turn renting out by the bedroom. Um, so I have helped some of my tenants graduate to home ownership and even investor level. And now I have a few that are living for free also because they house hack, right? So, um, yeah, I, I do the best that I can to, to help people out. I'm providing what I think is a really good quality service. Um, I've never had a vacancy across any house, any room, literally from when I started in 2015 to today, I have not missed a month's rent, not even a day's rent because I'm always occupied. And there's a backfill of people wanting to rent from me because of all the perks, right? The houses are brand new um, or at least they were when I bought them. We have the housekeeper, you know, there's a house Netflix and Hulu account, all those things, right? So I try to make it like a no brainer that if you're going to rent a room, you're going to rent from me. Right. And and when you're looking at, I'm assuming you have, have you had an eviction? I have never actually had to go through an eviction. Um, I have had to non-renew some leases and sometimes you you find someone that's not a good fit. Like, you know, if if you come home and you're really pissed off because your sink is full of dishes and you're mad that people are in your living room, you probably shouldn't live in a house with five other people, mm-hmm. right? And some people love the idea of saving money and they don't know how much they're going to be irked by that stuff until they actually move in. And then it's like a couple of months go by and they're miserable. And I just have a heart to heart with them and be like, okay, you signed this lease for 12 months. You're two months in. Clearly you're unhappy, which makes everybody else uncomfortable. So what if we figure out some sort of arrangement where we end your lease early, I'll find a suitable replacement. And as soon as they come in, you can go do your own thing and get your own apartment. And I think people really appreciate just the realness about it because nobody wants to be the odd man out and you don't want to be living in a situation where you're unhappy. So I try to do the best I can to match people by personality. It's certainly not an exact science. And then also have the self-awareness that some people aren't the best fit and you just talk, you just have a real conversation about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I was going to ask you from the security standpoint, I guess you're, you're vetting everybody. You're doing the background checks, you're doing mm-hmm. the credit and the eviction checks uh, regardless. Um, and you just got to, that's the key, especially in a house share that everybody's happy. I'm sure you're sitting down with the entire house when someone new moves in probably. And sometimes, I mean, so, you know, yeah. many, oftentimes the schedules don't line up, but yeah, everybody goes through a background check. Everybody has to sign my lease. You know, um, you know, I have the criminal check. I have the eviction history, all of that stuff. Um, but sometimes you can make an extraordinary tenant and a horrible roommate. Right. Mm-hmm. And then although on paper, you're a, you're a great tenant, you might not be the best roommate. And therefore, this isn't a good fit for you. And so um, having those real conversations, if I can have people meet beforehand, that's great. It doesn't always work like that. Um, But something I used to do, um, and then COVID sort of shook everything, was every month or so, I would get all of my houses together, like all 40 tenants. And my wife and I would host some fun event. Like one time we took everybody bowling. Another time we had a big wiffle ball game with all 40 people. Another time uh, during the winter, we took them to an ice skating rink right? Um, we've, had, we've had cookouts and stuff. So 
trying to establish a community um, and, and people, you know, all of my tenants pay electronically. Most of it's on Venmo. So at any given time, people can look and say like, oh yeah, 40 people are paying me every month. Like it doesn't take a genius to figure out that I'm making a ton of money doing this. So yeah. it behooves me to be a nice person and not some, you know, price gouging, blood sucking landlord. That is the stereotype, right? So I, another thing that I do is I never raise rent on people. Um, if you move into one of my houses, it doesn't matter if you rent from me for six months or six years, your rent will not go up. The hmm. only reason your rent might change is if you upgrade or downgrade rooms. Like if you're in a you know regular room and you want to upgrade to a master, you'll pay that different price when you move to the master. But if you stay in the hmm. same room, yeah, I don't increase the rent on you. When you move out, I raise it to whatever the market is and I get the maximum for it. But as long as you're with me, I never raise the rent on people. You know, I'm already making so much cash flow as it is. Like, it's silly. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I think it, there, there is a lack of, um, compassion, I believe sometimes in a society where capitalism is the prevailing method. And that, by the way, I'm a huge fan of capitalism. I just recognize that, um, that it, it creates competition, which creates inequality and some people rise to the top and some people don't. And I feel that as someone who became a multimillionaire in their twenties, it's my responsibility to help others below me. Um, sure. And that's what I'm here to do. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I like the mission behind it too. So as far as the lenders understand, uh, you, you bought it for single family occupancy, right? And, uh, but who cares? You're get, they're getting paid, right? Every month. And Yeah. Well, and <laughs> it's not untrue either. I mean, I'm buying houses and I'm moving into them, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I buy a house and I move into it. I, I, when I can do that, I can get away with a um, owner occupancy rate and a lower down payment. And I live there for a, you know, for a year and I, I have roommates while I live there, but I'm doing everything that I say I would. And then the few yeah. houses that I put, you know, 20% down on, I didn't actually move into them and I didn't claim to. Um, so I'm doing everything above board. Um, and yeah, the lenders are getting tons of money because uh, the mortgage is always on time. You know, I mean, I'm making so much money from the rentals that like, even if half my tenants stopped paying, I'd still be able to cover all the mortgages. And I didn't have anyone stop paying, by the way, even the pandemic, everybody paid up. So sure. yeah, it's been a really good system so far. That's awesome. So uh, we talked, so your strategy moving forward is to, you know, you have cash, so you're looking to acquire assets with the cash. I mean, mm -hmm. you have to put the money to work somewhere if you're not really using it in other purposes and you're only 32. So um, what's your, what's your outlook moving forward in terms of, you know, where, where do you think the interest rates are going to be in whatever, six months from now? Are they going to be up similar? Um, I think they could go higher. Yeah. Yeah. I think last years, time like I checked, six. I haven't checked today yet, but last time I checked, they were like 6.2%. I think that was last week. I, I don't even know what they are today. Yeah. Um, I think we could see 7%. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, who knows, right? They can do whatever they want. And um, I will not, personally, I won't pay 7% interest. I just won't do it. I'd rather pay cash. Um, now I won't be paying full retail cash. Um, I'm only going to be looking for incredible deals. I'm actually looking at, I put an offer today of a, a property that um, has been on the market for seven and a half months, hasn't sold. And um, I'm basically, I'm offering them like 500 K below what is listed for now. Cash. Uh, yeah. Cash. Exactly. Um, I might not get it. Um, but if I do get it, hell yeah, that'd be awesome. And if I don't get it, okay, I'll deploy my cash elsewhere. So um, 
having cash, I think, gives you a lot of options. And so the only market you're going to be concentrated on is this greater Seattle area is, is what you're thinking? Not necessarily. I'm, I'm open to other areas, you know, wherever the good deals are. Seattle is a market that I know and understand. Um, I'm also one of the few people who's actually making money in the Seattle real estate market I was say. because it, yeah. it's, yeah, it's just such a hot market to get into. But when you do it the way I do it, you, you make tons of money that way. So my competition is pretty low hmm. um, because most people who are buying houses in Seattle are just buying it for them to live in. And most folks, you know, can't afford a 6% mortgage on an $800,000 home. It's just not, it's just not really doable. Um, and so that's where I come in with cash and I could say, well, what about four or 500 grand? And I give you cash out right now because nobody else is buying because interest rates are so high. Mm-hmm. And even if, you know, if I contact a hundred properties and 98 of them say no, you only have to do that a couple of times. Maybe one or two. Yeah. yeah, exactly. For it, for it to change, you know, for it to have a big impact because then you just wait, you ride the wave, you wait for interest rates to come down. Then when they do, then you go off and you sell it for eight or 900 grand and you only paid four or 500 grand, right? So um, I actually bought a house. In, yeah, I bought a house in 2015 for 480,000. I sold it last year for 587,000. Okay. So, oh, sorry, sorry. I apologize for 870,000. Uh, so um, yeah, yeah. Like 300 grand more than what I paid for it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty dope, right? Like you can, you can do this stuff and, um, yeah, that's just been my strategy and it's worked out well. Awesome. How can my audience find you, learn more about you, reach out to you, learn more? Absolutely. Yeah. If you guys want to get in contact, the best way to reach out to me is through Instagram. My handle is at Todd J Baldwin. I'm pretty good about responding to messages usually within like 24 hours. Um, I do also have a YouTube channel that's linked in the Instagram where I just teach people about real estate and all things personal finance. And yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. Well, I really love this conversation. We haven't had anybody come on the show yet to talk about renting by the broom and actually making money in a very high price, you know, high tax area, I would consider. Mm-hmm. So I think that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, so anybody who wants to reach out to Todd, I'll have a link to everything he just mentioned in our social media descriptions, as well as on iTunes. And speaking of iTunes, if you liked what you heard and or saw today, please give us a rating and review. It helps us get our message out to a greater audience. So thank you, Todd, for coming on the show today and and spending a half hour with us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate you, the, the invite, and I was happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you.